to take your story if you let them. They will steal your narrative with your silence. They will cut your tongue and pronounce your praise for it. They'd say you honored their disrespect if you let them. They'd call you an animal, barbaric, savage, strip you of your language, your culture, and your home, leaving you stateless but applicable to their terms and conditions. Masses are so ignorant that they'll perpetuate this thing. Until death do the slave from its master or oppressor, they lie on your name and your absence. They'll assume their lies as truth and speak rhetoric of it being reality, fools which are senseless. They'll have your own brother slice you in half and say that you asked for it because it was your own. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the More Podcast. Today, we have a special guest with us, Jacomba from Gambia. Could you say welcome to the More audience? Hello, everyone. I am so happy to be part of this podcast, and I'm saying good evening to all of you. Thank you so much for that warm greeting. So you're from Gambia. Give my audience a little glimpse as to what Gambia is, where it is. I know it's in West Africa, but give us a little history if you can. Was Gambia part of the Mali Empire historically? Like, what, what is the history of Gambia? Give us some context. So basically, the Gambia is uh, is the smallest country in mainland in mainland West Africa. It's um, surrounded by Senegal. On uh, three sides, and the only side that we're not surrounded by Senegal is the River Gambia, and it's just actually like a mouth in the map of Senegal. And we have a connection to the stories of empires that, uh, like uh, that were developed in Africa, empires like Mali, empires like Songhai, and empires like Ghana. So I can say. Uh, it's just the same area. We were just uh, divided during the, col- the colonial period, but it's just the same country and the same uh, proximity in terms of distance and everything. For Senegal and Gambia, they're just the same country that were divided by the colonial masters. So that is basically that. Okay, thank you for that. And you're you're currently a student here in morocco so what what is it that you study exactly i'm actually majoring artificial intelligence and robotization in in the school of science and engineering awesome so is is gambia really focusing on the future of it right now is that kind of what they're looking for politically Uh, in the in the previous ages uh people were not focus or interested in things connected to artificial intelligence or things connected to computer science but now Gambia too is trying to move from the manual era to a digitalized society and this is why people are bringing in projects and a lot of people are having interest in areas that are associated to artificial intelligence so that we can try to develop the country using digital instead of using the previous things that were like being used by our forefathers so we're making a progress in that we're making a progress and there are so many projects that are coming in and so many young individuals like myself that are having interest in the field mm-hmm. and they're trying to study to help the government to help the younger generation and to innovate the country through digitalization okay and you're you're a proponent about digitalization i know we've talked about it before but you're on like the ethical side of it yes Yes. Okay. And what what does the ethics behind AI look like, especially when it comes to programming algorithms, things of that sort? Are you in that space yet, or yeah, I've uh, I've 
done some programming myself and I've done certain projects that are connected to artificial intelligence and it's really important in our daily in our daily lives because it makes the work easier for us and it, it make access to so many things easy because now uh, people do not suffer when they are making researches this is because of digitalization this is the work of software engineers who help people to fish for information easily and without having any problems with it and the world is now i can say at a better place because things are changing now and it's digitalization that is changing it so i would say it's really important it has negative impact as well but life is like that anything that's good will find will have something that is also in the side of uh of, of negativity as well so i would say it's both so have you noticed biases that may exist within the programming sometimes when you're looking at different programmings by other people yes there are so many biases there because one thing for sure is that people believe is not something that females can do in the first place so it's not a matter of that people believe it's a masculine cause it's technical it's so hard for the females but anyone can do it. It's a skill that anyone can have. It doesn't matter whether you're super smart or whether you're not. It's a passion that can be within a person that they want to go through with it. They want to, it's that enjoyment, that feeling you have from it. So anyone can do it. But those biases are going to be there. The only thing that we can do to change that is we, if we have a lot of females excelling in the field, studying it and competing as well with the male to mm-hmm. show to them that if they can do it, we can do it as well. It's not critical to any of us. Mm-hmm. So I guess we can work on that biases. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, I, I only mentioned biases because I was thinking of more ethnic racial biases that exist. Like there's a huge conversation that's going on in America about racial biases that exist within um IT programming and trying to mitigate how to change that and it's in, even in Africa like you have a lot of um, IT companies trying to come into African countries that is you know going to cause a disadvantage of African people who are already in that IT space so I was just wondering about how you personally felt about it's a, that that is something that is actually happening and it's affecting everyone because a lot of governments in Africa are actually using the intellectual understanding of people that are studying computer science or people that are majoring artificial intelligence. A lot of, a lot of projects are given to people from the developed world because they don't respect and understand that we can do that as well. So that is, that is one. And also when it comes to think areas that are technical in the first place, people think Africans cannot excel in it because they believe that we don't have a lot of resources to help us with that. They believe that we cannot study it or we will finding hard that's not the case that's not the case actually and these things actually they originate from ourselves ourselves as africans because a lot of things that we can use to impact our societies we find them hard we find them difficult we don't want to go through them we just want the easy stuff and this is why even though we have the brain and the capacity to study it and everything people in the developed worlds think we can't because this is the system we're used to and 
We are also used to certain things that we don't help one another to succeed in these areas mm. because out of uh, let's say every 10% out of 5% of the people that you tell I want to uh, study computer science or I want to do something related to artificial intelligence they'll always kill your motive because they'll be like oh it's so hard you're gonna do this you're gonna do that no mm. it's not a matter of that and it's high time we we, uh, we realize that these are areas that anyone can study and anyone can be better in it it doesn't matter the type of grades you have it's a skill that you acquire in yourself a skill that you can help your nation and a skill that you can use to change the world especially africa we need to make it a better place we need to show to the outside world that whatever you have in terms of intellectuality in terms of digitalization we have it as well we have artificial intelligence experts that are ai scientists computer scientists engineers so that we will not be spending our money or the government would not go to developed countries to fish people who they think are better than us in these areas Well, we can we can change our nations ourselves without the help of these foreign individuals right i believe that and i not to jump conversations but i remember when you were talking about um that guess like the origins of technology and it and how something like gps was something yeah. that originated with indigenous african people using i guess concepts of what, what did you call it again witchcraft. witchcraft essentially i mean i don't know if it would be a different name other than witchcraft i feel like that was the name that was placed but i don't know like maybe uh ethnic technology or i don't i don't know what's a better phrase to say witchcraft because i feel like witchcraft has negative connotations but. it's just um a software development let me just use it and software it's just software using using some sort of yeah magic. some sort of magic and stuff <laughs> <laughs> so it's like science itself in the golden age was something that uh, originated from this parts of the world the western part of the world don't know science in the golden age because mm-hmm. science in the golden age was uh focus more in the arabic walls when it comes to the field of mathematics so when it comes to the field of mathematics there the arabs they they are the ones that uh, came up with a lot of areas in mathematics areas like algebra areas like uh, geometry and even when it comes to the discovery of the number zero which was like which made it possible for a lot of computers to actually like a lot of computers were made because of that because of that huge discovery when it comes to the field of astronomy as well so science in the digital uh, science in the uh, golden age was situated in this part of the world in africa north africa and some part of the arabic worlds so science is like it ca- it, it came late in the western regions but they dominated us because they were more consistent in it than us but originally what do you mean by they were like they were more consistent in it and they took some of the researches and they developed they work on that because most of the researches that happened in our region well, wasn't like they weren't consistent it was more so that it was destroyed and taken yeah, and, you know because they 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 feel like they need to be the dominant ones in it this is why they spend a lot of ages focusing on researches that we thought in Africa are useless we don't want to go through them but they did and this is why they have 
the, that dominancy that we could not. And had it been we continue that, we would have still been the dominant ones in the field of mathematics, in the field of engineering, in the field of uh, science itself, in the field of biology and stuff. Because their impact in science brought a lot of disadvantages to science and advantages. Because mm. when you go to Africa now, people are refusing to take herbal medicines. And these are medications that our forefathers were using and they were working effectively. In Gambia? Or where, where do you... Exactly? Not only in the Gambia. For, for countries like Ghana are like making a huge difference now because they're paying more attention to herbal medication than Western medications. Really? Yeah. And I didn't see a lot of... Um, maybe because I was in a crowd. Maybe outside of yeah, the crowd. But right? now Ghana is working on that and they have a lot of hospitals that specialize in herbal medications. That's good. So that's, does a pretty good job with having their, That's really good. And you go to countries like China. They use herbal medications more. Yeah. So it, it, their impact in science, I will tell you, brought a lot of disadvantage to science than actually advan- the advantages that we can speak of. So, yes. Okay, thank you for that. And can you paint us a picture as to what's going on in the political infrastructure of Gambia right now? The political like image of the Gambia is not good at the moment uh, because it's bringing in a lot of conflict among ethnic groups that were living together, that were coexisting together. In what are the peace. different ethnic groups in Gambia? So we have like Mandinkas, we have the Fulanis, we have the Wallows the Sarahules who originated from Ghana and we have the Bambarangs who are originally from Mali and they have some relationship to Mandinkas and we have some Akus who came to the Gambia around the time that slavery was abolished when the freedom thing came out a lot of them were liberated and sent to Gambia so that is how we have a lot of Akus and the Im- Akus? Yes. What is an Aku? I don't understand. And they are a tribe in Sierra Leone Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we are now having a lot of them, and now there's been like there's there's so many acculturation processes that are happening there because different ethnic groups are getting married to each other, and then it's having that diversity in families and stuff. But the political background, the political feature of it is destroying that because uh, it's more of a how would I say that? It's more of a personalized, a, a, a personalized thing. People are using politics. Politics is just a social science. But people are using it personally among themselves and it's creating a lot of conflicts. It's bringing a lot of tribalism. It's changing the mindset of, of, of a lot of people. And when you go to the concept of the independent electoral commission, that's just the name. But actually, they're not independent because they're working for the government and that should not be the case. So the last Election, which actually surprised a lot of people, even though we cannot do anything about it. But a lot of people believe that it's not free and fair because of the analyzation that comes from the statistical uh, background of it. We all figure out that something is wrong with it. So the political image is not looking good. The country is sinking. There is inflation everywhere. There is yes. no price control. But did did the inflation currency of Gambia just recently go up as well? Because I know Ghana's went from six or the seven Ghana cities to all to fifteen Ghana cities recently. Our our in like less. Our currency is like. It's it's just dead. Let me just say that. What is that the way. exchange? The exchange. I I I am not 
really familiar with the exchange rates okay. but i know it's it's very poor it is and the fact that any like every country has a has some money in their uh national treasury that money is there for the entire country and there are some of the things that can cause inflation is to remove that money in the national treasury because it will dictate the government to print a lot of money a lot of notes right and then you have and also there's no price control anyone can just fix their own price mm-hmm. and then prices change every day they change every day so before gambia like had one of the most powerful currencies in the in in west africa but now that's not the case anymore our money is the value of it is just poor wow it's it's really poor and it's not looking good now but i believe the younger generations are learning and they're trying to make an impact by having a positive mindset to change that and they're working on it and i guess one day it's going to change and did the president of gambia try to talk about fixing that or was it the person that went people, up against people in the gambia now we even prefer for him not to speak because anytime he speaks <laughs> okay he destroys everything and there's a past outbreak that happened in the gambia it's called the uh, the something virus it uh, affected the kidneys of a lot of children that caused the death oh, no. of 79 to 80 children in the wow. gambia this month this so, month yes it was this month it was this month wow. the past month october so it, it was wrong diagnosis was part of it the medical sector is poor there is no like there is a lot of things that needs to be improved in the medical sector and uh, the control of medication too is really poor in the gambia because any medicine can come to the gambia and then doctors can prescribe it because I don't know but I would say a lot of doctors are not qualified there. So mm. it affected a lot of children. So it's called the paracetamol syrup. It's manufactured in India and it triggered some viruses in the system of children that killed a lot of children in the Gambia. And then people blamed the ministry that was some demonstrations and they told the president to come out to speak but anytime he does that he kills the spirit of the people in the Gambia. Mm. So now we don't even want him to speak. we believe that we can change a lot of things ourselves because he is not helping the country to get to that position where we are yearning for right. it's like he's showing to us that you people put me in this place but i don't care about you guys so that is really hard for us and uh, people were insulted by it. those who lost lose their uh, lost their children they felt insulted some he did not give a positive feedback to the whole thing that happened and that really 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 affected us as Gambians so the government wow. system there we hope that it will change the next election sorry i did not know that is is this why you're in um ai to try to connect it with yes. the health industry yeah. to try to make it more efficient Can you yes. share more about what your vision is for that i really because i for so many years i haven't participated in projects that are related to artificial intelligence but i really wanted to do something to improve the medical se- sector in the gambia because i believe that it's the worst sector in the gambia currently so using ai 
to help the medical sector is very very important especially using ai to treat certain diseases that are common in the gambia or using ai to diagnose certain diseases that are common in the gambia mm-hmm. and then people don't need to we can use ai for so many things we can use ai in in schools and and now thank god there is a research council in the gambia called the medical research council they are paying a lot of interest in the field of ai to see how to connect ai to medicine okay and they are using ai in most of their researches using robots and pharmaceuticals that can make the work easier for people and using ai in the form of applications to track things like period when you have eye conditions mm-hmm. so we can use all of it and now right. it's really improving in the gambia and they're using young minds like the children to develop that system that's and really interesting yes. because it sounds like it's not only ai that's important but you also brought up like the traditional yeah. medicine as sure. well so it's like uplifting all of those things yes. to, to boost it yeah so it's it's i I'm, I'm sure like in the next 20 years the next 10 years we'll be in a different phase altogether i believe that oh yes me too yeah. um and so could you share more on what happened in the most recent election of gambia because i know you talked about a lot of people wanted the human rights lawyer of Gambia to win. He's, he's actually, we call him a pro bono lawyer. Okay. So he's actually someone that fought a lot when Gambia was in the era of dictation. In his uh, name. In his, yeah. Mr. Dabo. Okay, Mr. Dabo. Yes, okay. we call him Lawyer Dabo. Okay. So he's one of the people that fought a lot for the liberation of Gambia from that dictation, uh, that, that dictated era that Gambia was in, in the time of President Jame and the likes. And then people love him a lot, and then he is a peaceful man. And it's not only that election. So many elections passed and people like statisticians know he, he normally wins the election. But this is Africa. The current government always find a motive to win the elections. And if he was someone who is very selfish, it would have triggered war in the army because people wanted to go to the highest levels to see that he attained that position because we believe that he won. Nobody knows what happened on the ground, but we believe that he won. And some people even did projects about it to see whether the election was actually fair or not. And then they realized it wasn't because the statistics, when they came out and statisticians analyze it, they know something went wrong in the first place. But he came out and he gave a speech and he calmed Gambians down and he told them that if it is something that was not fair really we're gonna take it in this in the justice system and if if it doesn't turn out well we just accept it that it is like that so the last election was the worst election and <laughs> it's something that Gambians don't like to talk about and it's having a negative impact in our society because it destroyed some families, some relationships, some friendships, and it triggered a lot of conflict among people. Right. So I guess next elections will be better. So what do you think the the demeanor of the Gambians should be to try to incite change now? Like, what do, what do you think the next steps are for Gambians and other Africans who are going through similar regimes of 
oppression or inequity or agents of neocolonialism, whatever the case may be. I guess we should uh, work on our, work on our biases, especially racial bias, and we should also vote for people. What do you mean? Work on Gambians should work on what racial bias towards in different ta- ta- Yeah, in terms of that, because the last election was due to that. The people that will tell you, I'm not going to vote for Mandinka mm-hmm. because this is what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. The fullers will tell you Mandinka's thing because they are the largest ethnic group in the Gambia. So people believe they're dominant and they're dictators and stuff. And so we should work on that. And we should not look at the fact that someone is related to us and the, or we like the person and then we just vote for them like that. We should vote for people that are capable. They have the capacity to change the country. People that are concerned about the citizens of the country. People that are going to make an, a positive impact in the lives of the people of the country. And people that are going to be there for the people and not just for themselves and their families. The people that will look at the families that suffer for them during campaigns. The family that tried really hard for them to be there. Mm-hmm. People that are going to improve the medical sectors. People that are capable who are going to be put in place so that there can be positive change. People that will improve the education system and people that will treat everyone equally under the eyes of the law. That's a really fascinating statement you just made regarding um, addressing the ethnic biases. I wouldn't really call it racial, I'd call it ethnic biases that exist within Gambia and other African countries. I think that's a really important dialogue to have because that is a major issue, even when it comes within like African diasporas, like, oh, I'm from this country, I'm from that country, you know, it's like, we definitely need to um, address that in some capacity it's high time we realize that ethnicity ethnic groups are there so that we can recognize one another but the most important thing is to look at one another and say we are africans and because we are africans with the same people so it's time we have that mindset in us and not to think that we are better than one another but don't you think that would take some sort of revolutionary educational system where everyone is able to understand that you have to decolonize the mind first it's gonna be so hard it's gonna be really hard because considering the fact that some people already have that mindset in them Mm -hmm. and now there are some organizations in the Gambia that are coming out to teach the young generation about mindset about mm. teaching children to have positive mindsets. Really, that's good. That is, it's it's something that I love a lot. And when I was told about it, I felt so happy that people are coming now to at least because the the other generations have failed us. So now we need to target the younger generations, of teach course. them, mold them in the form of positivity that should be in them and then when their generations come at least they'll be better than ours what you're saying is a quote by frederick douglas and the saying is it's easier to build strong children than to rebuild broken men. yeah absolutely so we can do that and this is something that is really important and they're, they're even introducing the system not only in primary and junior school and high school but even in the universities so this is really good it's 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 something that we should work on because now if you what is happening in the game is that if you like 
uh, organize sensitization programs and you call all adults to come and sit and then you talk to them about certain areas, they insult you mm-hmm. because they believe that their ways are better than ours and their mindset is better than ours and what they understand, we cannot understand. Mm-hmm. So they don't they don't take it because their mindset is already clouded in that generation they lived in. So I guess we're going to make impact, but it's going to be, it's going to take a lot of years and it's going to be so hard. It's okay. going to be so hard. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's going to take process, but we just have to keep having faith and keep having. And hope. I, not long ago, that was last year, I launched an initiative called Let's Catch Them Young. And mm, I, let's catch them young. the reason why I love the initiative, that initiative so much is that it's going to focus on young children to teach them good etiquettes, good mindset, and to help them in their educational careers to give them that white mind, I call it a positive mind, to do whatever they what want to do. did you call do. it? White mind. Why? <laughs> I call that's it not, that. That's not called white mind. I, do, it's so, just, I just call it that because uh, it's, it's connected to having a positive mind. Why is and white? I was just reading about this. It's called, I was reading a book called Black God and I'm like, why is white connected with goodness and why is black that's just with that's just that's just colorization it has nothing to do with race or whatsoever it's just yeah but even that has a context because that colorization has been ascribed to bodies right so it's like why is even it's just taking colors like natural colors and then like uh relating them to things that are not connected to emotions or things that are not connected to race or whatsoever because i don't believe in the fact that people believe in let's say black god or you hear some people say why jesus someone said well, the, jesus. the so, name of the book was called black god but what they were actually describing is the concept of the black god in the sense of um the black god would represent like the the devil which wasn't really the devil it was really the darkness like the darkness as far as like the thunder god the person that's going to bring upon rain yeah. bring upon dark clouds but that was oftentimes associated with something negative because yeah. sometimes it would incite floods so black was connected with thunder essentially and then red was connected with heroes it's like a and very I connect, concept i connect red to evil <laughs> that's like that's also my, something that happened yeah. in egypt so it's a i connect red to evil for me like it's a color that like anything that has to do with evil that i i don't that's why i don't even like the color in the first place because i connect really? it to evil that's how i am i connect red to evil and I connected to you think that's just because how you've been socialized yeah okay. I think it depends on where you're from yeah. people uh, we are not Gambians are not like that really biased when it comes what to what do you black. think about the Moroccan flag <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about that I'm not going to talk about that because it, no, 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 because, like, it's, it's red and green and I love the colors I don't want to talk about that. Red, green, and yellow. Because you know, red is supposed to represent the blood of the Africans from the soil. The green is supposed to represent the land. The yellow is supposed to represent the gold. And sometimes you have the black. I, I don't like. For us in the Gambia, the red is connected to the sun. We connect the red in the flag. Though it's red, white, blue, white, and green, and then okay. we connect the red to the sun and the green to agriculture, and the blue 
is the Atlantic Ocean okay. and the white is for peace. We connected. We that is the way we we like that is how the flag is. But I actually don't write, I don't like red because I connected to that. Interesting. So, yeah. It's interesting how socialized we are by the first in the Gambia. Red is just anything that's demonization or anything connected to evil. We term it as red, and even when it comes to the issues of being possessed by genes and stuff, red color. We like red is that color there. Even though like it's different in different concepts, but that's the way it is. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so it's really interesting. Do you have any like I don't like what what do I want to say? Oral stories, Gambian oral stories that yes, you can share. The Gambian literature from cultural studies is actually uh, based on. Uh, so it's actually based on certain hierarchies, and the first member of that hierarchy is oral tradition. Like can you give us you know a story that you can share? <laughs> I, I'm not really good at I'm not really good at telling you know stories. <laughs> I don't know, like, but like the first aspect of literature in the Gambia is oral tradition, especially if you want to know the things that our forefathers mm-hmm. have done. The story of um, the Soninke Marabu War, and that was the era uh, when like uh, people were fighting jihad to change people from that traditional pagan religion they were in into mm-hmm. Islam and then uh, some of the people that I can mention to you people like Fode Kabadumbia mm-hmm. and you talk about uh, people like um Alpha Molo, you talk about people like Musa Molo, who people believe in the Gambia was a Soninke leader, and you have a lot of them like that. And there's so many things in the Gambia that were named, and so many cities in the Gambia that were developed connected from that era. And you have uh, tributaries like the Bintam Bolong, we call tributaries as uh, Bolongs in, in, in Gambia. And you talk about the Sofanyamu Bolong, which has a very nice meaning to it. So we know all these things from oral tradition, even though we know oral tradition is never in the, like, it's never 100% uh, true, or it's because something is always added or something is always subtracted. But we love it. We love it because. <laughs> It's something that our grandparents can like. Yeah, it's the a time of story. Thing, yes, yeah. you all sit down and they teach you. And some of the oral stories that happen, they did not even happen in real life. But these are things that they narrate to us because they want so us to be good it. individuals. Okay, yeah. So these are and and the, the concept of riddles are used in our literature as well. Mm-hmm. Your grandparents can sit you down and they can tell you. I remember one. That they will tell you that I have um I have two brothers, mm-hmm. the younger one and the 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 older one. Each time I send the younger one, it will refuse to go. But anytime I send the older one, it will follow the older one. So they will be like, What is that? So this is there to test your understanding and if you they'll be like that is the bicycle because if the the wheel that is behind if you want oh. it to go first it wouldn't but each time the one that is in front is moving the one behind will follow it okay. and they will tell you if i spread my mat there is this stubborn so child like lead by example yes, too that is it's always so they will tell you that and they will tell you a hen will never put something harmful for the children to eat that is mm. to tell you that a mother will never make bad decisions for you mm. and stuff like if I spread my mat, there 
there's always this stubborn child who will first sit before I sit there. That is the housefly. So they, they, these are things that they they want to connect you to the environment. Mm. They want you to understand the things that are related to adulthood. So from a tender age, you understand stuff that are related to adulthood, and they prepare you. They prepare your mindset, and they they inculcate that belief of being an African in you that is you should respect your tradition you should respect your culture and anywhere you are you have that moral etiquette in you because you have been taught those things since you were a child that's beautiful so the most of the stories are connected to that and most of the stories are connected to legends to heroes that uh, were in the Gambia heroes that fought the, the British colonialism, uh, colonialism and heroes that really shaped the educational system of the Gambia because before the coming of European education Gambia has its own education called traditional education Oh, tell and us that, about that because I remember. And that know. traditional education is fixed in such a way that they look at children from a tender age and they know where you're good at. Mm-hmm. Some so some children are taken to study archery, some are taken to study smithery, some are taken to study literature, like uh, how to narrate stories, how to do give poetry. Mm-hmm. Some are taken to uh, learn how to be doctors at that time. Let's say herbal doctors, we call them traditional uh, marabouts, something like that. So it was divided. So you have a master where your parents take you to. And that master teach you from a tender age on how to uh, develop that skill. And then that was working fine in the Gambia. Everyone was responsible because you have something to do. But when the European education came, and I would say this, that the European education was so selfish in the sense that they they strategize their educational system. Right. That is, they did not bring a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they did not allow everyone to go through the system, only a few people. And one of the motives was to build their colonies to be strong and also to have, to change the mindset of the Gambians so that you can look at people who did not go through Western education as being inferior. And this mm. is what is happening still now. But do you still have some places in Gambia where they still have the traditional education? Because when they came, they dominated everything. Okay. And then uh, people started to see that they are having more impact. But what the people at that time did not realize was that that impact was negative. It was not, it was not positive. Right. But at that time, people's mindset, we, they couldn't understand that. So they thought it was a positive impact because if, if, if I go through Western education, I can dress nicely, you become civilized and people start to respect you. And every parent at that time was like, oh, my, my children should go through yep. the system. But this happened over so, time. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't something yeah. that, it, that was like uh, just one thing. It was gradual. Yeah, gradual. So it's now that some people are realizing that the impact was negative. It wasn't mm-hmm. positive. Yeah. But that's late now because yes. still not the mindset is there. Right. And they did not teach us everything because they wanted to dominate us. They wanted to uh, 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 like cloud our mindset because they were interested in our raw materials. And what what can what are some of the raw materials? Would cocoa be one of Gambia? Is, that time uh, was like uh, we because uh, people are talking about that we have oil, petrol. Which I haven't seen. Really? Yeah, I, was saying, I didn't know that. Yeah, they they believe that Gambia has petrol, and that time we have some diamonds and some okay. gold. So they were there, and uh, also the ocean. 
the ocean is our richest natural resource in the Gambia because the Atlant the River Gambia is the safest in the entire Africa and uh, it's the let's say it's the coolest river in entire Africa and it's easy to navigate and mm. has so many characteristics in it and Gambia itself is an island so that I those islands they are positioned in such a way that it makes um, uh, it makes uh, migration easy for people okay so it's our this is why the map of the Gambia itself if you look at it it was drawn in in in, in such a way that the British were targeting the river Gambia Mm. This is why the map goes like this. It goes like a zigzag thing because they wanted to close the river. Okay. They, their main focus was just the river. They don't care about... Well, this is why they, uh, you have some cities in the Gambia that are like closed, but you have some part of it in Senegal and you have some part of it in the Gambia. They yeah. look at towns and cities that are close to the river and that is how they drew the map because wow. their target was just the river. So it's because Gambia's river produced almost all of the seafoods you can think of. We produce it, and people are saying there is a patrol in the there is patrol in the river, and the Minister of Petroleum is working on it. Yeah. I believe it's there. They just kind of process it, so it's it's more of that. So, if you could give some advice to my listeners listening, <laughs> and tell them um, what are what some ways for you guys to decolonize your minds like what's the first step that you think we as African people should take Africans we should respect our culture and we should respect each other's identities mm. and we should absolutely we should respect that and we shouldn't look at the people let's say the African Americans are not as not being Africans they're Africans because where you're like that's actually a thing <laughs> they're Africans thing. it's so weird <laughs> they are, this is their learn of origin. If they want to come back, we should allow them. And if they want to make an impact, and they want to make an impact, we should. This continent does not belong to us all. It doesn't belong to only us. It belongs to all of us. And they suffered more than us because they were the ones who had to go through that sacrifice. They, they were the ones who were ripped off from their origin. Yeah. We know how it feels like to be... You need to teach a class on this because <laughs> some people don't understand. But I will say African people in America also need to do the necessary steps to understand yes. Africans in Africa and understand they it's should not come just back. one whole. Like, they should come back, plus. learn about their heritage, mm -hmm. learn about their people. But how are you going to learn about your heritage if you don't know your heritage? Because culture just Just that. go to any country. Pick one. For the for the fact that you know that you're African. <laughs> okay. Every part all the cultures in Africa are related. Yes. That's pick true. a country. Go there. If you if you if you have time, go to all of the countries. It's just fifty three or fifty four. That's what I'm trying to do. Go through go to all of them. Learn about the people okay. there. Learn about your heritage. And if you learn about all these things, it will help you to connect the dot from where you came from. Because mm. you can still ask your grandparents if they are still alive. On, uh, or to, you can accent certain things and you can look at yourself as a person because where you come from dictates the way you behave mm. so they can tell you that from anthropology and from human behaviors so if you're from this particular environment it will dictate the way you behave so you can do that connect the dots together learn your heritage be confident be proud that you are African because we have something that others don't have and we should respect that 
You what, is it? what is it we have that we have so many things the natural resources that are used today to develop the world half of it is from africa so africans we impacted the world mm. and we should realize that you talk about the thing you talk about diamonds you talk about gold you talk about petroleum you talk about a lot of uh elements that are used in scientific worlds today they are all from africa of you should respect that and we should believe that our continent is rich we are rich. We are. And it's high time we take responsibility of our continent. It's high time we depend and find ways on how to globalize ourselves as communities. That is by coming together, be, being that united Africa we should be. Because we are all the same people. Even if, it, even if we risk the option of death. We should. <laughs> Sometimes you need to go through hardship to get to where you want to. Of course. It's yeah. high time we take because uh, i don't believe in the issues of uh uh liberation we're still not liberated because mm. there's still a positive slavery no there's still a uh, 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 civilized slavery that is still civilized happening. slavery yes, that is still is. happening because mm-hmm. our laws are dependent on international laws mm. international laws that were drafted by what the european communities yeah it's high time we draft our own laws the exactly. laws that are beneficial to our people Preach. <laughs> it's high time we do this. It's high time we take a stance for ourselves and show to our, our, our younger generations, our generations that we can do this. We don't need them because we were fine. Our continent was boosting. We had all the natural resources. We were rich. We had good temperatures. They came, they messed with us and we're, they're still messing with us. Yes. And the earlier we realize this, the earlier it's going to be better for us. Because if you ask me, I will tell you, Africa is still not liberated. Yes. So who can change that? We the people. We can. We so people. We, we can. It's it, Even if it's a matter of dying, if it is a matter of being sanctioned or what we still have to go through it you have to go through a lot of things in order to be independent thank you for that you heard it here first jacomba said liberty or death and i agree with her thank you so much for coming to speak with the more podcast today we hope to have you back so you can share more about your future endeavors and yes thank you again thank you i hope you enjoyed talking yeah i did (laughs)